Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. for listening to another edition of Cavs the Podcast, and this is a special edition. This is the 100th podcast that we've recorded at Cavs the Blog, so um, that's pretty cool. And, that is cool. Uh, thanks to everyone. Yeah, thanks to everyone that has contributed through the years, and you guys. Right now, I'm joined by um, Evil Genius and uh, Elijah Kim. And we are we are watching the closing seconds of the um, Indiana Toronto game, so that could be kind of exciting. But uh, you know, you probably already listened to the podcast that Nate and Ben did, where they went over a lot of the uh, the matchups between the, the Cavs and the Hawks. So we're going to talk about the rest of the NBA a little bit, and uh, maybe some just other NBA news that's not necessarily playoff centric. There's been some, you know. Luke Walton just got hired by the Lakers. We'll talk about that a little bit. But um, I guess the first thing I want to ask you guys is, how freaking lucky are the Warriors? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I was actually gonna write I was actually gonna write an article about it. That's how that's how like unbelievable I find their second straight year of cakewalk through the playoffs. Right, and I mean, it won't be a cakewalk when they meet San Antonio, but I no, but they'll have like, Steph back most likely. I mean, I mean, yeah. and I know people will talk about how well it's an knee sprain, whatever. But uh, they had video of him back out on. He was out on the court, like he could play this series if if they really needed him to. Like if they got right. down somehow to Portland, I bet we'd see Steph in Game Five or something like that. But they won't need to. I think they're going to sweep Portland. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if they saw Portland. I made a, I made a bet with a guy um, before. It was like the day or two before Curry went down, and I predicted it was a, just a lunch bet that the Warriors would not lose more than three games in route to the title. And he's like, he's he's our sports analytic guy at our company, so it's like what he does. And yeah. he felt so bad. He felt so bad for me. He changed the bet to four um, losses, <laughs> and even after that, he said, "There's no such thing as a free lunch, except for this bet. <laughs> this is literally a free lunch." And and yeah. then the, the next day, um, Curry got hurt, and uh, and they still you know blew out Houston. And I came in smiling. I was like, I don't even care that Curry's hurt. Like, I still feel pretty good about this bet. And he was just, you're an idiot, you know? But then, yeah, uh, well. <laughs> but then after. He, he must not have watched Houston play at all this year. 
Well, yeah, but I, I mean, hey, they just did it to Portland. I mean, Clay Thompson, thirty-seven points. It just that team, they kind of blow me away. But I, yeah. I will say this: um, the Spurs right now look, they look really scary. Like we say that about a lot of teams, but man, oh man. They're just getting, like, whatever they want. And Oklahoma City was not a bad defensive team this they're year. Not a good, they're not a good defensive team, though, let's be honest. Yeah, but they weren't bad statistically. And after, you get past uh, the, after you get past the top, what, five or six guys, though? Well, yeah, their bench is weak, I agree, but it, that didn't matter. I mean, their starters were getting blown out yesterday by yeah. whoever the Spurs had on the court. I mean, watching Kyle Slomo Anderson play heavy minutes <laughs> on Durant and be effective was just, I mean, just made me laugh. Like, wow. I mean, what can't the Spurs do? So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad the Cavs are in the East because I'm not that worried about any of these teams right now. Um, so, Elijah... I heard you might be going to the game tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be uh, going to the first game of the semifinals. Be sitting about maybe 10, 15 rows from the action. So I'm pretty excited, man. That's awesome. I liked your five on five, Ian. Um, So what I wanted to ask you was, do you agree that if the Cavs end up beating the Pistons, the Hawks, and the Heat, Will they have played the three toughest teams in the East, or do you think? Um, do you think, like, for instance, Indiana was a better team than Detroit? Because I'm sort of of the mind that Detroit was better than their record, especially since they made the Tobias Harris move mid-season. And so I sort of feel like if the Cavs do go Pistons, Hawks, Heat you could make the case that with a hobbled Boston team that they beat the top three teams. Is that, is that too hot of a take to put Detroit in there? Or what do you think, Eli? I think it's debatable. I would think maybe Heat or Toronto would be um, would be a worthy opponent in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, Toronto, yeah, they have playoff woes, and it looks like they're about to get out of the first round for the first time in a while, but Statistically, they're a very, very good team. And I think it is a very tough challenge to get out of the East facing those three teams. I do think the Pacers, I think I would argue that they're a little bit better than Detroit because they do have a bona fide superstar. But yeah, yeah. other than that, I think maybe as a team, I guess you could still argue Detroit is better. But I think it's debatable, and I don't think it's a super hot take. Yeah, I think, um, I honestly think the Cavs matchup, I mean, by the way, Toronto just won, so they're going crazy. Um, the We the North. Ready, Isn't that their first ready. time they've ever made it out of the first round, though? Like, I, I think even with when they had Chris Bosh and Vince Carter, I don't think they ever made it out of the first round, did they? They made it out in 2001. Yeah. Wow. You'll see that infograph when you catch up in like two minutes. I don't know how you're so far behind, but... <laughs> I stopped watching. My phone just crapped out, so I just stopped watching it. Oh, okay. Yeah, just watching just the line. I'm, I'm just doing a. I'm just. I'm just doing one of the. Uh, you know, the line. Watching the line score now. So. But I, I. I think I agree with you in a vacuum, Eli. But I think 
uh, Reggie Jackson was a little bit more of a problem for the Cavs than like George Hill would have been. I don't know about that. I, I just don't think the Cavs struggle with the game manager point guard. I feel like they struggle with the dribble penetration point guard. I, I would. I think I'd probably go with, with Eli. I think. I think you got to have. I think you got to respect the fact that Indiana has a, has a star. I mean, Paul George was pretty amazing this year, and he was great in the playoffs all throughout. And they just took the number two seed to seven games. I mean, the Cavs swept the the Pistons with really not too much problem. Yeah, I'm just that's true, but I think the Cavs are better than the Raptors. But okay, I'm just saying if I when I when I started to be when it, the beginning when the playoffs right before the playoffs began, my the team I really didn't want to see was Indiana, and when when we when they, when it looked like they were going to see Detroit, I'm like, oh good, they're gonna. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be just fine against Detroit. Detroit. I actually thought Detroit was a pretty bad matchup for the Cavs because I thought Drummond could give him trouble, and I thought Reggie Jackson could give him trouble, and I did not anticipate Contavious Caldwell Pope would be that effective of an on-ball defender. Um, yeah, but. he's been good this year, though. Like I've watched a few Pistons games. Like he's he's actually a better. I think I said it in the in the the round one five on five. Like he's a a much better three and D guy than I think he got credit for and kind of sneaky good this year. Um, and he showed it in that series. He was the leading scorer for them in the series. Yeah. Well, you hit a lot. Yeah. I like, I didn't. What's that? Yeah. I really like KCP's game. Actually. I think, you know, a lot of people gave Detroit a lot of flack for drafting him so early, but I actually think he's perfect for the way that league is going. He's, He's a good shooter, or he has pretty good mechanics, and maybe his percentages aren't quite there yet, but he's very good at defense, and I think it's very overlooked. I mean, people kind of dubbed him the Curry killer after when Detroit yeah. beat the Warriors. So I think I think he's a very big piece <laughs> for what they want to do in the future, and that he needs to continue to improve to uh, make Detroit better as they get better with Drummond and Jackson as their core. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you want to you want you want a hot take for, for round two on that? Like, I think yeah. I actually think I actually think the Raptors, if if they if not sweep, I think they'll they'll win in five games against the Heat. Wow, yeah, that, I don't agree with you at all. In fact, I could. Yeah, I see it the other way. Yeah, I I don't see it. Uh, what what did Charlotte? What did Charlotte have? I mean, they didn't have anybody. I mean, Miami pretty much shut down. Uh, Pretty much shut down. Charlotte uh, was a top five defense for the second yeah. half of the season, I believe. Like they were. A that's my hot, that's my hot take, and I'm sticking to it. You're going Toronto in five over Miami. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I'm definitely. I think Miami's going to win the series. I wasn't. Again, like I mean, I'm just. I'm not that impressed with Indiana. So Toronto squeaking by, and they probably should have lost the series in six. I'm just not that impressed by it. I mean, Toronto has one guy. Monte Ellis should be able to score. He hasn't been able to. They have no inside game whatsoever. Um, they, uh, they hardly scored any. Well, Turner, Turner's, Turner's been good. Yeah, but he hasn't been getting inside. I mean, he's taken like 20 footers. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't get any easy baskets, I felt like, except when Paul George would get hot for, like, five minutes. That's, like, that was their, that was the series for them. Did Paul George get hot for this quarter? Yes. Okay, they had a chance. They just, I just, I just don't, don't believe, they, I don't believe in the Heat. I think the, I think the Heat, I mean, it shocks me that believe, it wound up taking them, taking them seven games to, to close out the Hornets. Well, I don't believe in the Raptors. <laughs> well, I don't believe in either one of them. It was not, it's not going to matter, really, at the end of the day. But I do think the Raptors have – the Raptors just have more – I think they have more inherent talent than the Heat does. Okay. That's fair. Um, well, let's, uh, let's look around the playoffs so far. And we'll go back and forth. I'll, uh, this won't be potent perception. We'll just have, we'll play, uh, EG is EK. And I'll, I'll just ask you guys back and forth and we'll keep track of, we'll keep track of points and see who can win. Um, alright, so I'm gonna start with you, Evil Genius. Alright. Uh, which team thus far in the playoffs has the highest offensive rating? Hmm. Highest offensive rating. Probably, I'd say probably Golden State. That is incorrect. Mm. Um, and I'll I'll knock it over to you, Elijah. If you wanna if you wanna earn this point, chance to steal. Yeah, you chance to steal. Uh, I think it's the Cavs. You are correct, sir. It is the Cavs. Cavs nice. the rating through four games is 115.8. Um, I'm glad right to be now, wrong about that one. Yeah. Well, now we're going to start with you, Elijah. Which team, you probably can guess what this question is going to be. Um, actually, which two teams are tied for the best defensive rating thus far? I'll go with... Um... San Antonio and Miami. You got one of them. I'm going to let Evil Genius try to steal. Well, I think San Antonio is right. Let's see. Atlanta? That's a really good guess. Atlanta is extremely close, but they're a percentage point off. Um, mm. The answer is Spurs and the Warriors are tied at a defensive rating, a stunningly low defensive rating of 91.2. Wow. Uh, Hawks was a good guess. They're at 91.3. Oh, wow. So, and they've been pretty good. Well, and, and plus Boston had a couple of, like, didn't they have like a seven-point quarter in that in the second game or something like that? Yeah, that's right. All right, so um, evil genius, you have zero points. Elijah has yeah. one. Which which team is leading in net rating? So the difference between offensive rating and defensive rating. Um. Well, by that metric, I'd say. Hmm. Well, actually, it's probably the Cavs. No, not even close. No? All right. um, the Cavs' defensive rating is 
it was horrific. <laughs> uh, all right, you get a chance to steal, Eli. What, what team's leading the NBA playoffs in net rating? Uh, probably the Spurs, if I had to guess. You are correct, sir. The Spurs yeah. are barely behind the Cavs in offensive rating at 115.5. Oh, okay. So their net rating is 24.3. Now, granted, they had the easiest first-round opponent of anyone going up against um, half a Grizzlies team. But yeah. uh, but the whooping they put on Oklahoma City was real. So Yeah, it was amazing. To see how that plays out. Okay, we're gonna, we'll go through some more interesting things. Um, uh, which conference? has the better defensive rating. Um, I'll go with you, EG. <clears throat> East versus West. The game, who's, playing more, who's playing more deep? Probably, probably the East. I know the scores have been a lot lower in the East. Yes, that's correct. The East has got a defensive rating of 101.1, and the West is 103.6. Yeah. Um, so more points are being scored in the West. More points, obviously, are being given up in the West. Which, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of a historical trend. I feel like ever since I was a kid, you know, Showtime ball kind of trickled down to the West, and like the the Knicks, the Van Gundy Knicks, and the and the Chuck Daly Bad Boy Pistons, that sort of sort of forged those Eastern Conference teams throughout the '90s. And I feel like that never really changed. Like yeah. the East always to be about. Um, physical play and rebounding, and the West was about run and gun. And then, of course, seven seconds or less sun. And the Spurs, interestingly, have gone on both sides of that fence. They've been, they've had Spurs teams that were just really gritty and good defensively. And then the last Spurs team to win the finals is one of the best offensive teams I've ever seen. So, okay. Feels, um, feels like this, this Spurs team's a little bit of each. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, this, this is more, um, important going forward. Which team, and I'm going to go to you, Eli, is uh, got the highest rebound rate, or they basically rebound misses at the, at the highest percentage? This was really interesting, uh, and they are, they are in first like by far. Like They're like, way out there. I think it's Spurs. It is not. It is the Miami Heat. Wow. Um, yeah, their rebound rate is uh, 56%. Their, de- their defensive rebound rate is 84%. They really are not giving up um, any offensive rebounds. Huh. So, um, well, I guess it, I guess it stands to reason because Charlotte doesn't really have a lot of offensive rebounders with uh, with MKG out and and because Al what's his name Al Jefferson has never been a very good offensive rebounder. I don't think. No, he's like, kind of a soft Maybe Zeller, man. maybe Zeller, but yeah. Now, which team um, has scored the most points in the paint per game? I'm gonna go with you, Eli. Most points in the paint. Um, I'll go with. Um, This is points per game, though, right? Yeah, so it's not paid okay. adjusted. Okay. Um, I'll actually go with 
the Warriors as a surprise pick. Uh, the Warriors are actually the best in the West, surprisingly, at 43 um, points in the paint per game. But top in the league, chance to steal, Evil Genius is... Spurs. No, it is the Hawks. Really? Wow, that's interesting. Yep. So who is that? Who's scoring all those points in the paint? Is it? Well, I think that's a lot of Teague. It's a lot of Teague drives, too, probably. Teague dribble drives? Okay. Yeah. Because they really haven't been shooting well other than Korver, I think, from the outside. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. They were struggling to shoot. And Millsap had a couple really good games, I think, against Boston on the inside. Yeah. After Olenek got out. Now, um, I'm not going to ask you this question. I'll just tell you. The team that's done the best at um, limiting opponent points in the paint has been Toronto. They're only allowing 33 points in the paint per game. And that's what I'm saying. Indiana just is not getting anything at the rim. So credit Jonas and Biombo for they've been ending. they've been really tough inside. Yeah, and I feel like right. also with with a healthy um, with a healthy uh, oh what's his name what's his name from who played with the Hawks last year Damari Carroll yeah healthy Damari Carroll. Plus, they, you know, I think with Lowry too, like, I don't feel like they allow as much penetration. You know, they've got pretty good, pretty solid waves of, of defense all the way in. Yep. All right. Um, actually, we will do two more questions. Which team is scoring the most points off turnovers? I think it's you, Evil Genius. <clears throat> Most points off turnovers. Um, they all probably scoring the most fast break points. Yeah, probably the Warriors, right? That is correct. Yep, by far. I mean, they're always and, they're always so opportunistic with those. Yeah, let's finish it up, Elijah. Which team has the highest true shooting percentage? And they're like an outlier too. Like they're they're so high. <laughs> Their true shooting percentage is above 60% right now. Probably San Antonio. That is correct. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, with San Antonio, Golden State, I mean, they've been, granted, they've been eating up some lesser opponents, but um, they're taking care of business. Cavaliers, and I touched on this in my segment with uh, Mark Neal, have really done a good job um, limiting turnovers and limiting transition opportunities and second chance points for the other team. Um, and then they sort of just shot a lot of threes. So And made a lot of threes. And made a lot of threes. So it was an interesting first round. Um, you know, I, 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 it was, if you would have asked me to predict how the, how the first round would have gone for the Cavs, like how they would have played, I would not have predicted that um, they would have been more aggressive team at getting to loose balls. They would have been better at getting back in transition. They would have been better on the glass against Detroit. 
knowing that like Mozgov was never going to play. I wouldn't have predicted all those things. The way they won was very interesting. Um, and then, of course, just J.R. Smith and Kyrie Irving just bombing away. Uh, at, you know, combined, I think they shot fifty percent from three yeah. between those two guys. Well, and Kevin Love too, except for that last the last game. Like he, those first three games, he was pretty. He was he was really lighting it up. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. So now that we've talked about uh, all the good things the playoff teams are doing, let's talk about what was arguably the worst team in the league this year in the Los Angeles Lakers, who I think they made a great hire in Luke Walton. So, uh, EG, give me your take. What's the what's the vibe out there in, uh, in La La Land over the Walton hiring? Well, I think given his pedigree, you know, I mean, he played for the Lakers. So, you know, another, another in the long line of, of former players becoming Laker coaches, um, you know, he's obviously, you know, with who his dad was and, uh, you know, and, and he's always been sort of seen as a, as a really bright, young up and coming assistant coach. I mean, he hasn't really been gone from the game that long. I mean, he's not like, you know, like a Derek Fisher, like I'm retiring and then I'm going to be a head coach the following season. But, you know, I mean, he was a player up until about what, two, three years ago, right. With, uh, with the Cavs. So, um, but I, I think the vibe out here is really it's definitely it's it's what it usually is. It's that sort of sense of wild optimism of like, you know, everybody wanted to believe that Byron Scott was the guy until he wasn't the guy. And now it's sort of like, oh, yeah, Byron wasn't the right guy. So now Luke's our guy. He's going to be great. So the bigger problem that the Lakers face and, and I think it's a step in the right direction, obviously, to hire a guy that, you know, should have you know got even though he wasn't didn't you know didn't coach the whole year for you know for golden state still i think he still finished ninth in the in the coach of the year voting um which is odd to have the the coach that won it uh, be followed up with a with a guy that gets the ninth most votes but um but yeah i mean i I think it's definitely a step in the right direction for them the bigger problem they're going to face is they just need they need for somebody to somebody to take over for Jim Bus. They need probably Genie Bus to take over, and um, you know start to start to make the right moves for the team because you know Luke's going to wind up being in this in a similar situation as as um, as as uh, Byron was the last couple of years, which is you know a lot of young guys, and you know can you get them to play together because. You know, it's going to be a it's going to be tough for the Lakers to you know to really land anybody of note because it doesn't really seem like um, Durant's going there, and you know they, they'll have to wait for maybe the Russell Westbrook sweepstakes. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I think when he was on the Cavs that last year, Luke Walton was almost like a player coach with the second unit. And that team ran some really interesting offensive sets that were fun. I mean, they couldn't defend anyone, but it was like, wow, this is what real basketball looks like when when the Herculoids would get in there. So, um, you know, he definitely yeah. has a mind for at least at least offense, and he knows what winning looks like. You know, being with the Warriors, and uh, I, I think it's a good hire. I mean, I I agree with you. They don't have. Um, they got some holes on that team, and they got a lot of unknowns. When you have a lot of young talent, 
you kind of have to figure out what you have with those core pieces before you can figure out how you fill in the gaps. And this was the problem yeah. I felt like the Cavs, the Cavs had before LeBron just kind of changed the whole equation. But by the end of that um, season of Han year, it was like, okay, what now? Because, you know, Kyrie Irving doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, Deion Waiters doesn't seem to be getting any better. Tristan Thompson doesn't seem to be getting any better. And these guys are coming due for contract. And it's hard to know what to put around these guys. I know the Cavs were thinking about, like, Gordon Hayward, and it's just sort of like it'd be really nice if you sort of know what you can count on, um, you know, out of your high draft pick young players that you're trying to build around before you yeah. go into free agency. Well, that was that's what really hurt them with the D'Angelo Russell thing happening, too. You know, I mean, that really kind of undermined the whole, you know, everybody's sort of confidence in him for the team and may have poisoned that relationship, you know, going forward. They may have to move Russell at some point, you know, and, and try to get something back. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. Um, I mean, I would think they'd move Nick Young before that. Well, I think they'll get. They'll, they'll just cut. They'll just cut. Let. I think Nick Young's contract is up, isn't it? I, I think no, he has like two more guaranteed years. Oh jeez. Yeah. He's old. Isn't he like pushing thirty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Didn't Nick Young play on some of the Wizards teams back when the Cavs? You know how to keep up. <laughs> uh, yeah. those, those those teams <laughs> infused with high culture. The uh, Javaris Crittenden. But to that point, it wasn't wasn't about Nick. It wasn't so much about Nick Young. It was about the trust factor with the other players with with D'Angelo. The fact that he the fact that he just, you know, kind of. That's a big problem inside of inside of an NBA locker room when guys don't trust you, you know, then then there's a confidence factor and, you know. There's, I mean, look with what with Luke coming in, it certainly will help cha- help them start to change the culture at least in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think they're. I mean, they had they had a lot of problems before that all happened, so it's not like um, it's not like things were going swimmingly before. But a big one, a big one's gone with Kobe with Kobe being gone now, and another big one's gone with, with Byron Scott being gone. So I mean, that's sort of. Two of their biggest problems are no longer a, a, a problem. Yeah, but the other really the other problem is, you know, their young talent, right, is Russell and Julius Randle, and I guess Larry Nance Jr. Um, well, and that, uh, Jordan and Clarkson. Jordan's, yeah, Jordan Clarkson. Okay, yeah, Jordan Clarkson. But after that, I mean, they've got a lot of uh, guys that, you know, like um, Lou Williams. I mean, is he really useful on that team? I don't think so. Um, no. You know, I don't know what happened to uh, uh, the big guy from Indiana. Why can't I think of his name? Roy Hibbert. Roy Hibbert. He just grabbed Roy Hibbert. Yeah. <laughs> just more of the same. More of the same for him. I mean, he had one good year in Indiana and then just returned to the mean. But that happens with big guys. I mean, look, we just went through it with Moskov. With Moskov, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So I think they have to regret letting Ed Davis go, and he's looking really nice right now in Portland. And he was a young and Bazemore. 
Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. They had Bazemore. That's right. Bazemore, you know, Bazemore was on the team um, that got, uh, during the game that got um, Chris Grant fired. That's right. Bazemore was on the team that set the Lakers franchise record for three-pointers in a game. Can you believe that? The storied <laughs> Lakers franchise set their three-point record against the Cavs when they only had, like, a third of their team and they got in really late, and there was a snowstorm, and they didn't have enough players to finish the game. That was, that, that, that still will go down as the wackiest game I have ever seen. <laughs> and I forgot you were right. Bazemore was on that team. I remember because I didn't know who Kent Bazemore was, and I remember writing in the recap, some guy named Bazemore. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve Blake, I think, was on that team. And he was yeah. In a bunch of yeah. Did they have Chris, that Goldilocks guy or Goudelock or how you say it? Goudelock, yeah. And they also had Chris Kamen. Yeah, they had Chris Kamen. Because remember, there was that there was that picture of Chris Kamen sleeping on the bench, and there was because no, there was no one else on the bench, so he was laying down across like six feet. Oh man, dark days. Good time. Good time. So, well, it, I mean, uh, do we got anything else we want to say about the Luke Walton signing? I mean, I think that was kind of yeah. a no-brainer. And some people, Nate was like, what's Luke Walton thinking? Why would he take that job? I'm like, Nate, come on. It's the, it's the Lakers. What do you mean, why it's would Los he Angeles. take that job? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's like, I can't think of a better, you know, head coaching job than the Lakers. I mean, maybe, no, at least not one that's available, right? I mean, Brad yeah. Stevens is yeah, Tibbs already got the already got the uh, the Timberwolves job. Yeah, the Timberwolves job. Yeah. I mean, so. didn't they they fired Randy Whitman? So I guess maybe DC if if yeah, Durant, Scott Brooks. Maybe, yeah. Well, oh, that's right, Scott Brooks. Got it, but yeah. And then that's already hired like some assistant from the Hawks, right? If you're trying to get, by the way, if you're trying to get Kevin Durant to come to your team to come home, why would you hire Scott Brooks? Because I think he liked Scott Brooks. I don't yeah, think couldn't so. Get him, couldn't get him to the. He couldn't get him a title. He couldn't win a title with Scott Brooks. I don't know. Not only that, weird one to me. Not only that, if he liked Scott Brooks enough, OKC would have never fired Scott Brooks to begin with. Good point. Well, publicly, Durant and Westbrook gave a strong sign of support for Scott Brooks. I remember it happening. And then I remember him getting fired and thinking, like, boy, those guys came out and were pretty emotional about how they really were big fans of Scott Brooks. So unless that was all just fake, um, I mean, I, I kind of see what you're saying. Like, really, the the Thunder organization is going to do something that goes against um, their, their stars, but I don't know. It'll be really interesting. No matter what happens with Durant, when it's all over, everyone's going to be like, well, of course he did that, you know, even though right now I don't think anyone has any idea what he's going to do. Well, I don't think he's going to Dallas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I don't think he's going to Dallas. Either. I think you can rule out the Mavericks for the KD sweepstakes. Yeah. Mavericks I keep expecting really him to wind up, like, in Houston or something, like Daryl Morey yeah. or somehow, like – like redeem himself and pull off some kind of like, you know, swapping, you know, getting dumping Dwight Howard and landing KD somehow and re, re, reuniting him with Harden. 
Oh, why would you want to? That's the last. No, no, I'm, I'm saying I don't think it'll happen. I'm just saying I, I, I think it'll be a weird one like that. Like if he doesn't go back to OKC, I, I, I feel like it'll be some weird, like, you know, alternate spot for him to land. Who could even land him? Everyone. The Lakers, the Lakers think they can, but I don't think that's going to happen. He's going to go to a good team if he leaves OKC. He is not going to go to some bottom feeder. Yeah. So he's Can I say a quick thing about the Lakers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if you guys know, but I actually hey. work with a diehard Lakers fan. And he and I are getting some friendly uh, <laughs> NBA chats about what the Lakers are going to be like next year or in the future. He's convinced that the Lakers did not strike out in free agency the last two, three years. And it's more so that the free agents that were free agents never had a shot for L.A. because they were never interested in going to L.A. I think if that's the mindset he has, there's no way Kevin Durant's going to go to L.A. Because Durant is at the level in his career where he wants to win a championship ASAP. And the Lakers don't offer that opportunity to him unless even if they were to somehow convince them to trade Westbrook to them, the thunder as they're currently constructed is better than the the Durant Westbrook and whatever the Lakers core is right now. So I just don't see a possibility of Durant wanting to trade the OKC Jersey for essentially a Lakers Jersey and expect things to be much better in terms of the opportunity to win a championship. Yeah. I actually think... I would, yeah. No, I want to know what you think. Oh, I would say, I actually think Durant likes being... I don't get the same vibe from Durant that he wants to be the man. Like, I think he's happy to have a Westbrook to run with. You know what I mean? Like, like he doesn't have that... To me, he doesn't have that sort of, like, Kobe, I'm the... I'm the, the this the talent you build around me kind of a of a of an attitude or at least he doesn't ex- exhibit that like it it really does feel like he's he feels looks like he feels comfortable with Westbrook you know and I, and that's why I feel like that's why I feel like the odds are he'll probably just go back to OKC cuz I think he likes his existence there I think they they feel like you know they're a they're a piece or two away from from getting back to a you know, to uh, a champ. I mean, they probably they probably didn't think that before they got like boat raced by the the Spurs, and I think they realize now like they don't have the horses to compete with the Spurs and the and the Warriors just yet. But I don't think it's enough for him to just throw in the towel and say, "Okay, I'm going to go be the highest paid. I'm going to I'm going to go be the Carmelo Anthony of the Lakers." You know. Let me uh, let me throw a crazy idea out there. Okay. Just because I think it fits from a personality standpoint. Let's say the Spurs wax the Thunder, right? And Kevin Durant's like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, it's just not happening here. And maybe Westbrook's like, dude, I'm getting out of here. I'm, I'm going to L.A. I'm going home. I'm going to I'm gonna go run with Luke Walton and see what we can do. So we had a recording snafu. Um, I need to get better recording software. I'm using this malware who knows what crap, but basically um, we lost about 20 minutes of recording 
basically I came up with the idea that wouldn't it be a good fit for uh, Kevin Durant to go to the Spurs? And then we sort of talked about how that would work and if how long Popovich would stick around. And then, you know, I surmised maybe Popovich would stick around another three years. EG thought maybe another five years. And then EG thought that Popovich was a lot younger than he looked. And he thought he looked a hair under 70, which he's actually 67. So he looks exactly how old he is, apparently. And then, uh, boy, that so we, we lost that whole discussion, um, which that's fine. I mean, we're just kind of talking yeah. about Greg Popovich, how much anyone cares about that. But um, <laughs> so you wanted to, from there, you wanted to look at the um, the other head oh, the, position. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to look at the the coaching position that I thought should be probably decided by Russian roulette. You know, to see who get, who has to take the bullet, which is the Sacramento Kings job. Yeah. Which, yeah, David Blatt. Uh, yeah, it was just reported today that David Blatt is going to interview for for that head coaching job. The latest in a string of guys to potentially replace the sixty four year old George Carl. Uh, they say the other names that are in the they're in the hopper or sitting at the table loading uh, or you know hoping to catch a, a, an empty chamber are uh, Sam Mitchell, Vinny Del Negro. Well, I don't feel like I've heard Vinny's name in a while. Uh, Mike yeah, Woodson, and then there's some exploratory conversations with both Kevin McHale and Patrick Ewing. Oh man, I would. I would go Kevin McHale in a heartbeat if I was. Uh, I mean, you got to go for the guy that can get um, Demarcus Cousins to be the best he can be, don't you? I mean, I would think that would be McHale. I would think so. Yeah, it's just a question of whether or not he is ultimately coachable. I think. I just, I the way it all went down with David Blatt in Cleveland. I, I mean, I would not want. I mean, if I was David Blatt, I would not want to go to a team with DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo. And <laughs> I was, was hell-bent on keeping those guys. I don't know that I'd want David Blatt, you know? Um, yeah. I, I kind of feel like if David Blatt had got the Celtics coaching job, he would have practically done the same thing Brad Stevens did. I think they're oh. very similar coaches. I, I think, think you're probably right, yeah. He got the unfortunate assignment of, well, not unfortunate, but... You know, just he had some big egos, and he has somewhat of a big ego, and I think it just wasn't a good fit. Man, that King's job, I don't know. I mean, they, they want to keep those guys because they're talented, but I just, I mean, I think they're both knuckleheads. I, I think Rondo is just almost an uncoachable player, and I think it's a yeah. testament to Doc, Doc Rivers that he was able to win a championship largely um by keeping everyone sort of cool, because I don't think the big three in Boston liked Rondo at all. <laughs> they thought he was no, but I think they probably helped keep him in check, uh, especially Garnett. Uh, I'm sure those guys were like, "Look, you gotta, you gotta toe the line, son." Like I think, I think he was young enough in the Boston years where, you know, they could they could still kind of like you know police him that way, where it didn't have to just be all Doc, but. You know, once once they left and Doc left, and it was just Rondo. You know, like like being the the guy in Boston. Like it seemed like a matter of time before he was going to go. And that's really the difference between Rondo and 
and Boogie is that they were smart. They just they would just trade cousins for the biggest haul they could possibly get, probably probably to the Celtics or another team that's just desperate to get a big man that way. Because they could get a they could get a real they could get a real haul for him. Yeah, I mean, look at what Portland was able to do, and, and they didn't even trade Marcus Aldridge; they just lost him. <laughs> and look what they were able to do. I mean, sometimes having that larger than life presence, if it's not going to get you over the top, you just got to kind of kind of redo it. And I, w- I agree with you. I mean, I think I would trade him for the biggest haul I could find, and and just. And, and rebuild. I mean, if you're firing your coach and you're and you're, you're not going anywhere as it is, I don't know. What do you, what would you do if you were uh, general manager Vladi Divac of the Kings, Elijah Kim? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think you got to just you have a choice to make. You either make Demarcus essentially the GM, coach, manager. You let him pick who would best suit him like Kevin McHale and you try to build around him completely or you, you choose a coach and general manager. If it's me, I would ship him away for the best hall and build an identity from the ground up. You don't have any other, you know, iconic players or star potential players that you can build around. So those are your choices as general manager to make. And it's a tough choice. I mean, sometimes you got to make, you got to trade, you know, someone who seems to be so a great player with a lot of potential. But if he's never going to realize that potential, you got to cash it in. You know what I just realized? Rayshon Rondo was Dallas's Yuri Welch. <laughs> but except Yuri Welch was never heard of again after. After he played in Cleveland, whereas Rondo actually, I think, didn't Rondo still lead the the league in in assists this year? Uh, he was first or second, yeah, I think. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But I meant for Dallas. I mean, for Dallas, he was never heard of from again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, didn't Rick Carlisle say more or less in a press conference he'll never shoot up again, like in the middle yep. of the the middle of the season or was it even was it playoff? No, it was in the, it was oh, in the playoff series. It was like it was after in... game two or three of the playoff series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you even imagine? And they gave up stuff to get him. Just like oh, yeah. they gave up a first round pick, I believe, to get Yuri Welsh. And he was so bad they more or less just cut him after the season ended. They didn't even <laughs> they just never heard from again. You are unplayable, dude. <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what Yuri Welsh is doing now. Like literally, we should track him down and have you interview him, Tom. Oh man, I don't. Would that be? I don't know. How, what would that be like? <laughs> I mean, all I've done is talk about how that guy like haunts my dreams. I mean, that, I'd have to, I'd have to prepare for that interview. He doesn't know that. He, he doesn't know that though. He's never heard you talk about him, or I'm sure he's never read Cavs' blog. Just tell him you named your son after him. Yeah. <laughs> Yuri, Yuri Welsh pest hack. Oh man. Yeah. If my son dishonors <laughs> his family, I'm gonna change his name to Yuri Welsh. But uh well guys, this is our hundredth podcast. So how do we wanna end it? What do we want what do we want to do? What do we want to talk about? Do we wanna do rapid fire since um 
EZK always has something interesting. You want to do a rapid fire about the remaining playoff teams? Sure. Okay, you ready? I'll start. I'm just going to say a name, Eli, and I want you to give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Yep. Take a deep breath. There you go. All right. Dennis Schroeder. Overrated. I love it. Yes. Perfect. Keep them coming. All right. EG, Dennis Schroeder. Umlaut. Hydrogen oxide, right? Oh, umlaut. <laughs> yes, umlaut. I love when I'm on Twitter and people actually find the umlaut and copy it and paste it. when they, It's like, come on, man. Like, just, <laughs> you don't have to do that. Very <laughs> Colin um, <laughs> pronouncing the foreign players' names in oh, yeah. their home dialect. That was pretty good. Right. Uh, but uh, peroxide, peroxide would be a good close second too. Okay, gotta right, keep, keep that bottle away from him. Uh, Tristan Thompson versus Paul Millsap. Who's your daddy? I like it. How about you, EK? You're my son. <laughs> wow. Okay, we're going with family relationships here. Um, while we're on the subject of family relationships, Anna Horford. Please just shut up. Keep it clean. Okay. (laughs) Elijah. Sibling love gone wrong. Okay. Oh, I I got one more. Uh, www.annahorfordpleasestoptexting.com Yeah, seriously. Please break your phone.com Have... Lil Wayne pour hydrogen peroxide <laughs> on your phone dot com. Stop with Instagram. Alright. Um speaking of Instagram, did you guys watch the draft? That whole thing was puzzle. Oh. oh my gosh, that was incredible. Cost him uh millions of dollars and probably because the Ravens would have taken him at I think six or seven, they said, and then yeah. they saw the they saw the Instagram and said, Nope. So, I imagine that probably that, cost him a couple million. That, like, is really, I mean, we kn- we've we known for a while that this was the era we're living in. But, I mean, I think that's that's really the example in, like, 30 years when people point back to the effect of, like, social media on, um, you know, every, anything from athletics or politics or whatever. That will be yep. one of the defining moments, I think. Um, well... It's interesting because there's no more there's no more secrets. Like we wouldn't have had Watergate now if in in a in a world of of uh, you know social media and and everyone's got a phone. Well, I think there's still secrets, but I do I kind of agree with your larger point. It's not the same. It's a lot in many cases stuff that was never meant to get out. Just it's it's prolific. I mean. You look at that yep. whole celebrity, that celebrity hack. I mean, they didn't, none of those people were looking to have those pictures get out. Um, so, yeah, well, we wouldn't have any questions about people, people saying that we didn't go to the moon. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, you always find someone that you know wants to have conspiracy theories, but okay, let's keep it going. True. Um, All right. Sorry. Warrior, the Golden State Warriors karma. Can a sigh be it? 
yeah, that can, yeah I, I, the sigh works. All right, just a big sigh. Just a yeah. big sigh. Or, a, or, a, or a, an audible SMH. <laughs> uh, golden luck for Golden State. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go with... Uh, in light of Mike's Anthony Bennett piece... Um, Let's go with, uh, if you could redo it, if you could redo that draft for the Cavs, who would you take with number one? Greek Freak. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the answer, right? Yeah. He's so. a, he's a the alphabet. Okay. Cavs learn the alphabet. <laughs> could you imagine if he was on the Cavs right now? Holy crap. Um. Be a very good game all day long. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's go with. Uh, let's go with. Um, Luol Deng's uh, true shooting percentage. Danny Ferry was misquoted. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you got, Elijah? Artificially inflated. Okay, I like it. I was gonna say something like that. Like, gotta come down back. I gotta come back to Earth at some point. All right. Um, Della Vadova's barrel rolls. Stop, drop, and roll. Barrels of Thunder. <laughs> I was going to say, taking out MCLs in 2015. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I really look forward to the bad, the fake bad blood between, you know, that Horford's going to try to impart on Delhi in this series. I, don't, I really don't think it's going to face the Cavs. I was actually really impressed with the way they really did not let the Pistons' physicality get to them. Because they they did against the Celtics, you know, and I, I yeah. guess that, well, part of Kevin Love got his arm ripped out, but I didn't really like the way they responded every time the Celtics got rough. And against the Pistons, they just, it was like, turn the other cheek, man. They just, like, didn't even give them the time of day. Oh, yeah. LeBron kept getting hit in the, I mean, LeBron took so many shots to the dome. From yeah, both and Drummond and Marcus Morris, and he just he never he never I mean he might complain, but he never looked like he let it affect him. And on the other side, both SVG and Reggie Jackson really lost their composure in game yeah. and post game, and the Cavs just never did. They just didn't even want to talk about it, and it wasn't you know. And I think I think Teron Liu really impressed me with his not only his coaching but just his post-game demeanor and the way he approached that series. Um, oh, yeah. Very well done. Well, he didn't take so, the bait. He didn't take the bait when San would throw it out no. there for him. He just no, he took not, the hot. He not take the bait. Nope. They kept their head down. They kept their eyes on the prize, and they disposed of the pistols in four. Um, okay. Uh, rapid fire. Cavs-Hawks will go X number of games. Four. Five. How about you, Tom? 
oh man, I really want to say four because I want him to get that tie that record. <laughs> that, that two twelve game playoff winning streak. But I feel like the Hawks are going to get at least one, so I will say five, maybe six. But why do we think that? Like, I mean, I asked that question in the in the five on five. The, I'll they, say this because it's because I I feel like the, they're a better team than the Pistons, and I feel like the Cavs haven't had to really um, they haven't had to get into like a grit and grind mindset. You know, they've, they've, they're still yeah. sort of playing a far away from three, lots of minutes for Kyrie. Um, I think at some, ho- at some point that formula isn't going to work. And it might just be for one game, you know. Right. But I have That's fair. Trump- That's fair. Okay, I, 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 I buy that as an argument. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I there's going to be one game. Go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, I'm not. I don't. I'm not thinking that they're worse than last year. That the Hawks are better than last year. It's just last year they went into that series with the Hawks, and they were sort of their backs were against the wall. They almost lost the Bulls. I mean, Jared Smith bailed them out. But by the end of that Bulls series, you could just see their. They, they had forged an identity. You know, they were no, just a gritty team. And I don't feel like this team has had to do that. And so I think a loss or two to the Hawks could be the thing that makes them remember that style of play. And look, it may be the best thing for them to to at least have one game, you know, just so they have that as a barometer going into the into the finals, whether it's against the the Raptors or the Heat. Right. Eastern Finals. I I just think there's going to be a game where they shoot like. Eight for thirty-three from three, and not be able to score enough points, even if they have good looks. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean the Hawks, the Hawks have the and the ability to play really well at both ends. I, I don't feel like they can keep it up for long stretches, but you know when guys like Baysmore start hitting threes and stuff, they all get kind of excited and they start running in transition, and then Corver starts hitting transition trailer threes and. I think they can. I think they can defend it. I think the Cavs can defend them in the half court, but there's going to be lapses. I mean, I, you just we know that from watching the Cavs. So, um, you know, we'll see. So, uh, parting shot, eg, give me something, anything. It could be basketball related or whatever. Anything you want. <laughs> um, hmm. oh, I, I, parting shot is that. You know, I was I was really looking forward to some some good basketball this weekend because the the NFL draft is so internal interminably long, and I don't know why they can't just do it in one night. It drives me crazy. I mean the 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 ratings were so were the lowest since like 2013, I think. Anyway, so I think they got to do something about that. But I was hoping the offset that was some really good uh, NBA basketball, and I was let down on on every level. It just it just felt like every every game seemed like uh you know kind of like a foregone conclusion by by halftime so um you know first game over like five minutes in <laughs> yeah and really the i mean the golden state game today you know both really all three games all three games today i guess indiana kind of hung in there towards the end but you know, for the most yeah. part, you could tell by halftime like this was the it was going to be take it wasn't going to be the, the Raptors losing. So I don't know. I it just it was the, the it was kind of two really like just not 
that interesting game sevens and and a two game ones that that look like look to be the first in a in a sweep on both sides. So the only upset was Portland over the Clippers. Now that I realize it, if you can call lo- losing your your two best players and then losing the next yeah. two and a half games an upset, then yes. But that was even a what? That's even a four five, right? I mean, that was even a four five series, so it wasn't a huge upset. But in the East, the top four, top four teams advanced. So. All right, Elijah, give me your parting shot. Uh, my parting shot is um, it's harder to win than the NBA. You can see how much all the teams that have been eliminated um, are in angst because of how close they thought they were, especially with the Hornets. And you just got to take care of business. When you have a game six at home and you can win the series, you got to win the game. Um, you know, uh, I'd ha- I'm thinking about writing a piece, hopefully get with approval from you guys, about year-over-year um, success. And the Cavs are a huge outlier in terms of wins improvement. And you can kind of trace that to one single individual, obviously. But I think there are teams who are disillusioned that think if they can, you know, get Kevin Durant, they can win you know, 30 more games and make the playoffs if you're like the Lakers or Philly or D.C. But I think you just got to, as a Cavs fan, you got to really be grateful for what is happening right now. And the NBA is no joke. It's a hard place to win. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. My parting shot will be that you, you, you brought up the word angst and I wonder what it's like right now for all these, you know, up and coming teams that just feel like there's a there's a glass ceiling they can't break through. I mean, for crying out loud, the Spurs just will never go away. It feels like, and now you've got the Warriors who look primed to be a dynasty for the next four years. Um, the Cavs have their big three locked up for the next three or four years. And LeBron has more or less won the Eastern Conference more or less every season since, I don't know, what, 2008, 2009? Um, so what are, the, what are the Atlantas of the world thinking? What are the Orlandos of the world thinking? What are the you know Wizards of the world, the Charlottes? I mean, if you're, if you're one of those fan bases, at what point are you just like, man, we can make these like little small incremental improvements, but like how are we ever going to knock off these Titans? And the only young team that I feel like has the has amassed enough talent to be interesting that right now is on the outside looking in is the Timberwolves, um, because certainly the uh, the Pelicans are a mess. Phoenix, yeah. you know, looked uh, for a bit there. Phoenix looked like they had some nice kind of young talent. They're just totally a mess. So I mean, you look at a team like Detroit, right? And I think all of us agree. Detroit is here to stay. They're not going anywhere, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, but really, how far are they going to go? I mean, how, with that team and a couple spare parts here and there, can that team really beat the Cavs' big three going forward, knowing Dan Gilbert's going to spend what he's going to spend? And can anyone yeah. out west? I mean, the Clippers right now, I mean, they, they were unfortunate, but um, that's a, there's a lot of star power on that team, and they just can't break through. 
So yeah. what is that angst going to be doing? What is that angst going to do to Chris Paul? What is that angst going to do to Kevin Durant? Because right now, it just feels like the rich are getting richer and everyone else, doesn't matter what they do, all these little incremental moves, plus or minus, just doesn't seem to move the needle in the grand scheme. It, it really feels like there are three elite teams and there's sort of everyone else. And we, and we said this at the beginning of the season, and I know throughout the season we kind of waffled a little bit on where the Cavs really elite and hard to say, but I'm comfortable saying that in the Eastern Conference you got to go through Cleveland, and in the West you got to go through Golden State or San Antonio, and it's just it's not an easy road. So yeah. I'll be interested to see with all the money that's going to rain down from the heavens. This is going to be a fun off season to see what kind of moves people <laughs> make to try to, to try I, to break through that glass ceiling. Yeah, I will say this though, you know. It, the NBA is probably the league that it can change the the quickest in, um, just because. I mean, obviously the Spurs are the outlier. Spurs have been good for what two decades now, um, but you know, like Golden State, you know, it, it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty fast rise once it went once it happened. Um, you know, I mean the Cavs the Cavs became because of. You know, because of LeBron switching from the Heat to the, you know, back to the Cavs. So, you know, it can change quickly. I think, but uh, I think your your point is a good one. I mean, it it definitely feels like at least at least for the next couple of years, it's probably going to be that. Well, it just it feels like the, you know, it feels like I don't know. Six years ago, we looked at a team like the Thunder and we said like their time is coming. You know, like they're on the up and up. And they've scaled yeah. out. And, and <clears throat> you could look at a lot of teams like that, where you looked at them and you're like, man, this team. I mean, the, the Rockets were a Vogue like championship pick this year. Um, obviously, they have all kinds of issues. But like a team like the Jazz, right? They got a lot of young talent. Getting, their fan base is getting real excited. And I just, I just don't see it. I don't think they have enough talent. I think their core is just inferior to the best teams in the league. And so I just wonder what that does to a franchise when they amass yeah. draft picks. They try to get better, but ultimately their core has a ceiling. And so yep. what do they do short of landing a LeBron James or something in free agency? You know, what can they do to to break through? So that's, that's yep. a long parting shot, but that, that's my that's going to be my thing that I'm going to look forward to the most in the off season. And the Cavs are not um, immune from that, by the way. I mean, the Cavs yep. are a team that's been trying to break through for, oh, I don't know, 40 years. <laughs> Since they've been in existence. Yeah, so if they don't get it done this year, what will that mean for them? Are they going to look to move one of Kyrie or Kevin Love? Um, or will they stand pat? Or will they bring in a new coach? I don't know. But playoff time, this, I is, saw, when, this is when you make yeah. your money. So. I thought it was interesting that they reported that Ty, Tyron Lue is still under his old assistant coach deal. Like there was, there in what David what David Griffin had said was accurate that they did not make a new deal with Ty Lue. Yeah, yeah. Windhurst brought that up on one of the Hey Windies, and that surprised me because I fell for the initial Wadge report, which was that he got a new three year deal. Yeah. Yep. Not the case. Yeah. So we'll see, guys. This was but, fun. There won't be any. There won't be any more coaches to choose from. They'll all be. They'll all be. All the good ones will be taken. Yeah, I wonder who the next um, high-profile college coach to come to the NBA will be. 
Probably the guy from Villanova. Yeah. He's been there a while, though, hasn't he? Kind of like yeah. Mm-hmm. What about Kevin? Wasn't Kevin Ollie like a sexy name like last year or the year before? Yeah, he was very much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah, Kevin Ollie, former player. Did he? Like, I thought he. I thought he turned down the OKC job, if I'm not mistaken. I think he did. Yeah. All right, guys. I got to get out. Um, this was All right. our 100th guest, and uh, I'm looking forward to this week. Oh, and um, site news. We added, uh, well, we, we did select a, a new writer based on our solicitation. His name's uh, Carson Zagger. You, you probably know him in the comments as um, CZ or CW Zagger. Yep. Um, Swagger for some reason. And uh, you may have noticed um, Mac from the comments um, contributed another really nice piece for us. And so he's agreed to, to join our staff as well. So we got two new guys. We got, we got our second Kim in, in, as, many, in as many months. And uh, we're, bulk, we're beefing up for the stretch run here. And um, it's exciting times at Cavs' blog. So thank you for, for being a, a loyal follower of our blog and man, we're 100 podcasts in it feels like we're just getting started and uh, looking forward to 100 more yep as always go Cavs go Cavs go Cavs thank you for listening to Cavs the Blog podcast check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger there's a fire Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.